This is Teresa from Santosha Yoga. I'm Cindy Chase. And I'm Penny Carroll. Welcome, Welcome to, to Mindful, Mindful Moments. Thanks for joining the ladies for this discussion of the second limb of yoga, the Niyamas. This is their first recording in front of a live audience because Sydney's mom, Jan, is present and actually joins in at the end. about the yamas wasn't as flowing as it was when we did the previous podcast and I just wanted to ask both of you ladies why do you think that was um, my thought was it's it's big I mean this is important these are ethical values that we're trying to you know share with people you know what what are what our yoga ethical values are and you know like Penny said what if we get it wrong if we speak wrong if we don't you know tell them the right way you know are we responsible for something that's going on but you know, it's just, it's big stuff. That's what, that's how I felt anyway. That's how I felt. And then doesn't it also bleed over into the conversation that um, some people are having in the United States now that these are conversations that we need to be having mm -hmm. and we're not because we're uncomfortable with yes. it or historically we yes. haven't. But just because of that, you know, thinking about our hesitancy to have these conversations, maybe we do need to be talking about it a little bit more. Maybe we do need to be talking about our ethics a little bit more and what that means to us personally mm -hmm. and as a community so that we can just you know keep growing as a society no I, I agree yeah. with you a thousand yeah. percent yeah. I think most most not most people but to some people this is uncomfortable and foreign to them yes some people are more comfortable talking about their date last night and they're getting intimate than they are talking about the yamas and the yamas, the morals and ethics. And mm -hmm. I agree, we need, that's why we're here. Mm -hmm. We need to talk about it more. We need to get other people talking about it too, so. Yeah, we, um, it's funny, I just had a conversation with somebody about a week ago about television, about movies and television, how it's, it's not a big deal to just watch copious amounts of violence, just mm -hmm. violence, you know, the, the movies, the slasher movies, the, the Terminators, all the stuff, shooting, 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 shooting. And it's no big deal. You take your 10-year-old kids to see this. You know, they've all seen all this stuff. But when you want to take them and, and show them, like, a documentary or something about, you know, not to go to the vegan thing, but forks over knives, which is an ethical thing, you know, or teach them something about, like, yoga sutras or if it's a Christian philosophy, people are like, oh, no, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. And it's like, but it's okay for you to show them the violence, but it's not okay for you to show them why not to be violent. You know, it's just, no, it's, I, it's, I see what you know, it's from. crazy. And we do need to have these conversations. And then there's also maybe that little bit of uncomfortableness with thinking, with the uh, group of students or non-students that think that yoga is a religion. Mm. True. And when mm. we start getting preachy about things like ethics and morals, they're saying, well, see, there's the religion, when really it's just about being a, a good human. Yes. The golden rule. Mm -hmm. Right. Do unto others as have, you would have them do unto you. And right. again, yoga, and just to emphasize, yoga is not a religion right there is no dogma dogma there is it's no. not a religion it's just leading us to be our right. highest selves whatever that is for us right you know and everybody's different yeah. and these yamas and yamas are also open to interpretation mm -hmm. if you you go to you know you google not yamas and yamas or you bring up a different book or a different website everyone has a little bit different of an interpretation mm -hmm. and that's the beauty of it mm -hmm. you can adapt it for how it, you know, as long as it's still morally and ethically good, you can adapt it for right. you. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it, even the, uh, the Bhagavad Gita, the Yoga um, Pratipika, mm -hmm. they've been translated so many times over so many centuries mm -hmm. that 
there's so many different versions out there. You know, what version are we really getting? Right. So when we can distill it to maybe 10 ethical behaviors mm-hmm. or right. even just the golden rule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you want to others? Sure. Yeah, we're just sifting it all down. Yeah. Okay. So if you guys don't mind, I'm going to do saucha. Is that okay with you ladies? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, So saucha is cleanliness. And I was reading about this over the last week or so after um, doing it. And what it means is um, initially the word takes you to clean, like clean house, clean, you know, clean car, clean, you know, whatever, clean clothes. But um, when I did some more research, it was talking about purification ourselves mentally and physically, which I thought was really interesting because... um, we are all very cluttered. We are cluttered with stuff. We are cluttered with um, stuff in our homes, stuff in our cars. I don't know if you've ever driven by somebody whose car is just like jam-packed full of stuff, like dashboards and oh, the van, and the guy yeah. in the van with oh the my gosh, dashboard. that's insane. Yeah. Um, and so when we start to practice saucha or cleanliness, what we're doing is we are becoming less cluttered, less heavy. You know, you'll feel lighter. Um, I, I know Teresa talked about purging her closet with Marie Kondo and the whole thing and um, how light, much lighter you felt. Right, you know? right. And that's kind of saucha right there. Um, it can be our diet, you know, um, alcohol, drugs, lack of exercise, any of those things kind of weigh us down. Um, any type of media, books, TV, movies, social that can pollute us mentally, all those fun things. And um, homes and workplaces, you know. Going back to feelings, I think we talked about this too. Um, one of the other, one, I think one of the yamas about purging old hurts and grievances. Forgiving other people, you know, forgiveness, that kind of thing. Non-attachment. Non-attachment. Yeah, I think that's what it was, non-attachment. And forgiving ourselves for past errors of judgment. You know, all those things, we clean those out. We get those out of our mind. We get those out of our soul. We we feel lighter. Our bodies feel better. Um, Right, we're making space. Yes. We're making space to be aware, maybe more inspired, more resourceful. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, you get in the wintertime – you get feeling kind of heavy, you know, especially we here in the Midwest, it's heavy, you know, and you feel closed in and everything. So it's always nice spring cleaning, just like open let the it go, wi- open, open the, the windows. windows, open those windows and <laughs> let some of that stuff free, you know, get rid of the dust bunnies underneath the bed and things like that. And um, such is an inward practice, you know, I mean, we have to look inward to start it, you know, again, instant gratification that we do. We want something on the outside to make us better. We want, I want pennies to make me happy or I want Teresa to do dinner with me so I feel happier. I want you know, shoes to make me happy, and um, it's that's not, you know, that's just adding more stuff. That's adding more stuff, and um, yeah. So, Souch's cleanliness of, of inner, outer, body, mind, soul, physical, yep. non-physical, yep. All, all, of of above, all of it, all of it, all of it. And what I thought, too, when I was thinking about this, um, it helps us be in better relationship for what is, and not trying to make anything different. Right. We get to clear away that yeah. thinking, that yeah. dualistic thinking that says things have to be black yeah. or white yep. or this way right. or this way. And it really does allow that space for the mystery, mm-hmm. you know, of whatever our higher power or the universe to really yeah. come through and, and have that space in our lives. Yeah. You know, go in fully, go out fully is what Christian Murdy said. I was like, oh, I like that. Yeah, too. You know, clean it out, go in fully, and then come out full. You know, you don't have to bring anything with you. You don't have to drag anything in or out. It just, I like that. So, so yeah, Saucha. Okay. Well, I'm going to take Santosha. <laughs> um, that's a great idea. Uh, since the studio is called Santosha Yoga, um, Santosha means contentment. 
And when we opened up the studio um, almost 10 years ago, I chose Santosha because contentment is what yoga brought to my life. And when we first opened the studio, again, we were the first traditional yoga studio in the area, so I would get phone calls from people all the time asking me if Santosha was a style of yoga. And I had to go through the whole thing. So, no, it's a word, contentment, it means this and that. And it's like, and that's why I opened up the studio. It's like, I feel really good. I feel so much better. I need to share this. And that's my, one of my original teachers said, you, now that you know, you have to share it. You have to give the same knowledge to other people so they can find their contentment. Um, I went so far as to have the word contentment um, tattooed on my wrist in Sanskrit to remind me how blessed I am. Mm Um, there are days that I forget to look at it. Um, but contentment means to be content to what we have, where we are today. And you know, a lot of these yamas and yamas, they kind of tie and weave into each other. And, um, oh, Lama Baru, one of my earlier teachers, Lama Baru, used to um, mess with us. He'd say, he'd say, okay, home, and everybody would say home. And he'd say, I have enough home. And that's what contentment is. Mm-hmm. I have enough. Mm-hmm. And finding that finding that place where having more isn't going to make you happier. Finding that place where you're, you're that it's okay to be who you are at this day, at this moment. Yeah, I remember once uh, early when I first started to practice with Teresa, um, and because the studio is called Santosha, you know everybody's like, oh, what does that mean? You know, contentment. And I just remember you saying to us in our early class, before I took teacher training, so this was early, early days, um, contentment is joyful effort. It is joyful effort. It's showing up with joyful effort. And I remember that year, um, because I'm an accountant during the day, I remember walking (laughs) into my boss's office and go, every day when we walk in here, we're going to start saying joyful effort. Mm -hmm. And I cannot tell you what it did to change the whole way we, we work together. Joyful effort. Two words. Right. Not being unresponsive. No but accepting yeah. the situations that are yeah. around you. Correct. You know, just finding that balance. Again, going back to yeah. Buddha. Buddha said find the middle way. Buddha was, you know, a, a came from a rich background. He became unbelievably poor where he almost died, died of starvation, and he found that middle way. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing with that contentment, finding that middle way. And another way, I may not think of the word contentment, but there's not a day that goes by that at least tons of times I'll remind myself how blessed I am, which is a, a definition of contentment. Yes. Blessed for, you know, the family I have, the friends I have, the studio. But then again, too, blessed to experience maybe the unhappy things because, you know, life can't have all just light in it. Some light has to have dark in it to appreciate the balance, to appreciate that contentment. Yeah. So I'm blessed to have the good stuff. But in an odd way, some people may not understand it, I still feel blessed for the stuff in my life, the challenges and the struggles and the journeys too. Right. So I got a story. Okay. So hey. there, was, there was this farmer who grew uh, discontent with his farm and he complained about his lake on his property that always needed to have the fish thinned out and the rolling hills on his property that made it more difficult for him to run the fence rows. And sometimes he couldn't see all of his cows because he had so much territory to cover. And at night it was so dark it was hard to walk from his barn back to his house. So he decided to sell his place and move somewhere really nice and he called a real estate agent and made plans to sell his property. 
And a few days later, he picked up the paper looking for a new place to live, and his eye caught an ad for a lovely country home in an ideal location, quiet and peaceful. It had rolling hills <laughs> and a pristine lake stocked with bass and a classic barn surrounded by natural flowers and soft grass. And it even came complete with all these cows. And it was just close enough to a small town to be convenient, but far enough out to be uncluttered by city lights, traffic, and noise. And he read the ad a second time and a third time. And then he realized that the real estate agent had given her description of the place that he currently owned. Mm. So he called her and he told her to cancel the ad. He said, I changed my mind. I've been looking for a place like that all my life. <laughs> so it's really easy to complain about our situations. Mm -hmm. When we can step back and see it from a different perspective, we can, you know, is our job really that bad? Right. Are our kids really that annoying? Right. You know, maybe there was somebody out there that would be, would love to have my children. Right, so exactly. You know, I mean, there are people out there who would love to have our crazy children, you know, I mean, and our parents, you know, and things like that. And if you haven't caught on by now, Penny's our storyteller. <laughs> Thank God for Penny um, and her stories. Actually, I'm listening to the story, and obviously, I kind of sort of, yeah, I knew what the ending was. It's like a rom-com. I knew what the mm -hmm. ending was. But what was the song? Who that sang that song, If You Like oh, yeah. Pina Coladas? Right. Oh. I was thinking of that one. Yeah. I was talking yeah. about that. Yeah, Getting Caught in the Rain. Getting caught yeah. in the Rupert, like, yeah. Rupert, Rupert Holmes. Is, who, no, I don't remember. I don't remember. Rupert, but no. the bottom line is, it <laughs> yes. was, it was yeah. who are, yes. he already had. Yes. So. Yeah, we're, you know, we're always looking for something else. You know, we're always looking for the greener pasture, the greener pasture, the, you know, the rolling hills and the cows and all that and you know when we turn around you know like Dorothy Wizard of Oz you always had it right here you know there's you no just click like your home. heels and there's no yeah. place like home you know it's crazy um, we're talking about integrating go ahead with the quote what was it quote again oh from Deborah Dell's book actually I'm reading it out of yoga and the 12-step path by Kitsy Hawk um, but this chapter references the Deborah Dell Yama Niyama book and she says, the niyamas are an invitation into a radical exploration of possibility. Just how good can you feel? How joyful can your life be? Yeah, and it's funny that you say that. Um, I was reading a book, and I don't remember the name of it, and I apologize. Um, and they were talking about Anne Frank and how she, they, you know, they, they say that she, in her diaries every day, she said, I choose to be happy. I choose mm -hmm. happiness mm -hmm. every day. And I thought, and how often do we get up and if, you know, for no reason, all of a sudden we're in a bad mood by 620. What, what, what has happened now? I'm already in a bad mood and that kind of sets the tone for your day. So if we make that choice. Yeah, otherwise it's self-sabotage. Yeah, we've just ruined our whole day. We've set ourselves up for just a really crappy day and just, you know. But it's that easy. Yeah, I choose happiness. Just a choice. Today I choose to be happy. There's a book and I... Ugh, we're, um, we'll, we'll put a link for it later, but um, the author is Frankel, and I can't remember his name. Victor, Frankel. Victor Thank Frankel. Thank you, Victor Man's Frankel. Search for Man's Thank search you. For yeah. mm -hmm. And it's a story about his time in a concentration camp, camp, and what he found out was that the prisoners, even though everyone had nothing, the prisoners who gave what little they had to others are the ones that survived mm -hmm. the concentration camp. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones, I mean, again, I, I can't judge anybody, but the ones that were more greedy or, or didn't share, those are the ones that, that perished. Mm -hmm. So even when you have nothing to give something, you're still benefiting mm -hmm. from that. Yeah, you have your thoughts, you know, yeah. just, you know, your actions, just to, just to touch somebody's hand. You know, I mean, I've never, you know, obviously I've never been in you know, that detrimental of a situation, but, you know, um, I was fortunate enough to be with my grandmother. My grandmother celebrated her 102nd birthday this week, or yeah, this week, and to be with her. And 
um, just to walk up to her and hold her hand. I mean, 102 years, that's a damn long time. Excuse my that's a lot of history. That's a lot of years, yeah. you know. I mean, she's seen a lot of things. She's, you know, been through the Depression, and, you know, my grandfather passed away, you know, many, many, many years ago, so she's been on her own. But just to sit there with her and to listen the way she talked about, like, her parents who had nothing. You know, this was the old Polish family that lived in Hamtramck who there were probably, you know, 12 people living in the house and her father was blind and her grandparents lived with them. So, you know, it was that whole thing. And just to walk up to her and hold her hand and connect with her on that level. And, you know, so many people just, they don't do that. It's you beautiful. Know, you do, you, you know, and just, you know, in my picture, and I have a picture with her, and I'm thinking, I only got 48 years to go, you know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> man, holy goes. But she's beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, and she had said, I can't believe God keeps giving me birthdays. And I looked at her, and I said, where are you going? You know, I mean, I said, you still have things to do here. You know, I seriously do believe my grandmother still has stuff to do. And if it's nothing other than to show us her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, her great-great-grandchildren, that life is worth living even if you don't have a lot and they don't have she doesn't have a lot mm-hmm. but she's still she has something we can be rich in so many oh, ways oh, so many ways so many ways you know and we were teasing her because we were all sitting there and of course it got like sassy and everybody was getting you know really you know just you know cousins and blah, 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 all that kind of thing and my dad is laughing and um and grandma's just looking around and she's watching and I looked over to her and I nudged her and I said you know this is all your fault right <laughs> <laughs> and she said it is, and I said, well, you and Grandpa, because if it wasn't for you guys doing what you did, we wouldn't all be sitting right. here. And she looked around, and she smiled. She said, yeah, it's my fault. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it is your sweet. fault. Yeah, she's just such a beautiful lady. So blessed. So backtracking just one more time, coming back to Saucha cleanliness, um, what's happening occasionally and becoming more prevalent and once marijuana is legalized, which it, it is, but once it becomes more available, I'm finding that students are coming into the studio right after they put the joint out in the car. And I'm having issues with that because what they do is their choice. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But then you have that odor that when you sweat amplifies and... And that could be marijuana, but that could be cigarette smoking, mm-hmm. that could be drinking. drinking. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. but you know, with drink, you know, have I had people come in here smelling like what, like beer? Yes, I have. I've had people come in here smelling like they just left the Coney Island. Mm-hmm. So it's any, you know, strong perfume, it's any offensive odor. Mm-hmm. And I don't think students realize how smells stick with us, stick mm-hmm. with our clothes. But these very nice young men, they've been coming semi-regularly, very nice young men, and they came into the class the other day, and, and I very nicely said, guys, I need to ask you a favor. And they said, well, they're probably about 19, 20 years old. I says, can you roll down the windows on the way here while you're smoking your joint to air yourselves out? <laughs> and I said, very nice. And the poor guys probably were, oh, my God, here's my grandmother chastising me. <laughs> and they were really cool about it. And they came in the next week, and they didn't smell like weed. Oh, that's good. I don't care if you smoke a joint. I don't. I, again, it's what you do in your home is, is your choice. But please don't come into the room because you're affecting other people's practices. You're affecting other people's breathing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you would also not encourage me to be an alcoholic oh, because that is part of Saucha, mm-hmm. the purification Correct. of our bodies and our minds, mm-hmm. and you know, right. and to, so that we can be the best we can be. Um, maybe not having those mind-altering substances. Correct. 
in the long run. Like that's kind of the ultimate goal. In the ultimate goal, I wish no one drank, no one smoked cigarettes, no one smoked weed. It, it, you know, no one did mind altering substances. Yes, that's my goal. And nobody ate coney chili. Coney. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> With fries. Yeah, and extra right. onions. Mm. It smelled so good. Yeah. So the third niyama that we'll talk about is tapas, or right action. I also wrote down um, passionate engagement, so aiming towards our true happiness. It's um, wanting to make that effort, really working towards it, but more willpower than willfulness. So not so much stubbornness, but that energy inside of us, you know, coming back to the energy from the, mm-hmm. um, the yamas, um, stoking that fire of enthusiasm rather than letting our energy burn out of control or go out. So um, with the tapas, it's going to be for our, our thoughts, our words, and our actions. And our thoughts have to change first for us to get any change yes. going on in our life. And it made me think of loka, samasta, sukino, bhavantu. May all beings live happy and free, and may my words and thoughts and actions contribute to that. These are my tapas, my words and my thoughts and my actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like um, creating. It's it's discipline, you know. I mean, we, we just we have to um, we have to be disciplined. You know, there's a difference between discipline and motivation. You know, motivation is you know, and I think motivation to me always is like an external force. Whereas discipline is the things that we kind of hone to ourselves. We know I need to be disciplined and get up at six a.m. so I can do my meditation instead of sleeping in until seven fifteen and then running around like a crazy person to get ready so I can leave for work. An know? intrinsic force yes. that wants you to do yes. not the boss yelling, not the at you boss screaming at you, but you know that you know if you don't get up and do your meditation, you know, then you know you're going to be a crazy person all day because you haven't taken that time. You know, find that discipline. Um, yeah. Yeah. In Sanskrit, um, tapas often is um, described as fire. So I, I always, when, when I first got into this, it was like, you, you, you know, you're working hard for something. Mm-hmm. You're building, as, mm-hmm. as Penny said, you're building that inner fire. But, you know, think of it as that burning passion for, mm-hmm. some, for something. It's, you know, whether it's your asana class, whether it's your meditation, whether it's your job, just doing everything that you do with that burning passion, mm-hmm. with that desire, and having it be meaningful and having it, make the world a better place yeah yeah and watching that you're not creating ruts or samskaras Mm -hmm. with your efforts over and over again you know and kind of looking inward and realizing well that that I thought that was a good thing that I was doing Mm -hmm. all this time maybe that's a bad habit and I need to kind of get out of that samskara get out of that rut and kind of move my detrimental patterns over into something that's more positive right Mm -hmm. Um, when I was looking through the Deborah Adele book, when she was talking about tapas, she said um, they likened it to a controlled burn, you know, like they do on farms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they go in and they control. What they do is they take everything out so that they can ready the soil once again. And that's kind of like what tapas is, the fire. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the internal fire that we kind of stir up. We start to discipline so that we're ready to be receptive. You know, we can accept the new things, joyful effort. We can go in with a clean slate type of thing. Okay. We're good? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Swadhyaya, self-study. Um, I need to read more books, Teresa. Come on. Do, there, <laughs> you want to see how many books I have? Oh, please. Did you know I just found out yesterday there's a website called gutenberg.org where you can download over, they have over 60,000 books that are free. 
Free. Free. Free. That's my favorite Me word. too. But I will warn you, they're, they're, they're pretty much the classics. So you're not going to probably find anything yoga-ish, but still, I mean. But still, if you want to go is. back and read some F. Scott Fitzgerald. That's yeah. it. Thanks for the tip. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That's awesome. Gutenberg.org. Yeah. Um, self-study does not necessarily mean that it has to, I mean, the Yoga Sutras, um, Hatha Yoga Padipika, you know, the Dhammapada, I mean, we can, we can go on and on with the books. Those are all phenomenally wonderful books to study. And we, and I think we talked about this last week or week before, we don't just read these books, we study these books. Mm-hmm. Um, my one teacher said that if you read to a, to a book to a certain point, because I mean, I've got half read, three quarter read books all over the place, you read that book to the place you needed to read it to get what you needed at that time. And then maybe you'll pick it up again, maybe you won't pick it up again. But these books aren't necessarily meant to be read all the way through. You're studying them. Mm-hmm. But the other thing too is, you know, you can pick up a book that Oprah Winfrey recommended in her book club that is of the spiritual nature. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you, you have to you can go out of the you can go into the more mainstream of what self study is, Swadhyaya. Right. And traditionally it meant you know, memorizing the text, you know, mm-hmm. the, the sutras were handed down through yeah. orally, oral tradition or um, reciting a mantra over and over and over until the energy of those phrases, those sutras, that word does its magic in right. your life. Right, right. And, and we've been able to, I mean, a couple thousand years later, <laughs> now I'm carrying a whole library in my pocket <laughs> yeah. because of my yeah. phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, with Swadhyaya, too, and, and it's not just about books, you know, I mean, it's about our self-study, so it's internally. And I read something, and I heard this a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, but it's about, um, like, when you're pregnant and, and what, as the mother is going through, you know, so does the fetus, the baby. And um, so our conditioning, our beliefs, and those types of things begin in utero. You know, I mean, that's and that's really, you know, and thinking about it, you know, and having had two children myself, I thought, ooh, what was I thinking about? <laughs> Hopefully it was good stuff. I don't recall that long ago. But um, so it creates our identity, you know. So we have to, you know, go in and kind of look at where we are and see where we need to, you know, maybe do a little bit of tapas and clean some stuff out so that way we can have more joyful effort, so that way we can, you know, you know do our santosha or, you know, cleanliness. Um, go ahead. No, I was just, just to top, go on top of that, I was just going to say the same thing, that it really is looking at ourselves honestly, honestly and seeing how we fit in the world right now, mm-hmm. where we are and who we are. It used to be when we drive our car someplace that we didn't know, we'd ha- have to know where we were mm-hmm. to look on the map to find where, how we were going to get to the next right, place. Right. Now I don't even have to know where I am. No. My phone's just going to get me there. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. I don't even have to know where I am. Mm-hmm. That's scary. I know. Yeah. I just was thinking that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, and, you, and, and we, we look at like, you know, like the youth, you know, the youth of today, I sound like, you know, I sound like my mom, um, they're, they're lost. A lot of them are lost. They don't know where they are. You know, um, they they don't have a good foundation. They don't have a good basis. A lot of them come from, you know, I won't say a lot, but some of them come from like families that don't that don't family. You know, right? They don't family. A lot of families don't do that. And so, if you don't know where you are, you know, we don't have an internal GPS yeah. or Google Maps is not like programmed to tell you, us where you, to go. Or like the mall, you are you here. are here. <laughs> yeah. you are here. Right. We don't have that. No. You're right. You're but right. But this Swadhyaya makes the uh, self inquiry really, you know. Even if I don't know where I am, I can take that moment to look inside mm-hmm. and go, wow, I just, 
I just flipped that guy off in the car. Why do you think I did that? You know, mm-hmm. what triggered me? Mm-hmm. What are my habits that led me to that? So that then yeah. we can move out of yeah. that yeah. that circumstance. Yeah, becoming that that aware that aware. You know, when we, you start to do the work and you start to become aware of your responses to situations, it's very eye opening. It is definitely eye opening. Just and to, to go off of what you just said. Um, there's some people, generations, some generations of today that their lack of awareness mm-hmm. of, of not only themselves but the world around them worries me. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, they're all about me, 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 yep. me, and they're unaware of, oh, what did I hear? Oh, on the, on the news today, my husband had the TV on, and this woman was, you can cut this out if you want, this woman was flashed, and she ran after the flasher. Oh, I saw that in the news. Mm-hmm. And she took him down, and no one would stop and help her. Yeah, she's saying call nine one one, and she was a former military, so she's you know she had, she knew what she was doing. She had this guy on the ground, hands behind his her his back, and she's asking these people call nine one one. No one helped her, yeah, and that blows them. my mind. Yeah, that blows because of the lack of awareness. Mm-hmm. It bothers me. Yeah, it's like the village. You know, I mean, we used to grow up in villages. I mean, you know, I grew up in the city of Detroit, so our neighborhood was our village. And we knew all the people in the neighborhood. They knew all the children. And, you know, if Mrs. Woolpit, you know, you were on her grass or you fell down. I mean, I fell down and sliced, you know, sliced my face up. Here comes one of the neighbors running me down in their arms to my mom going, oh, I need to go to the hospital. She's got, you know, bloody face, bloody arms and stuff. And we... We don't have a lot of that anymore. People don't. People don't do that. You right. Know? I mean, one, they're lost. One more thing. This drives me crazy. Do you notice the houses built today don't have front porches? No, they don't. They don't have front porches. Everybody's in the backyard. Everyone's in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Zooming they're out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said it drives me crazy because mm-hmm. there's no there's no community. There's no. Yeah. Well, we got a little, well. We didn't get really off topic, but just yeah, just it's everyone's in the backyard ignoring mm-hmm. everybody else. Yeah. Well, you had said. Um, Every uh, younger kids today, or you know, not everybody, of course, but um, that they're kind of self-centered and mm-hmm. thinking that the world's revolved sure. revolving around themselves, and that mm-hmm. kind of goes into the next niyama, the mm-hmm. Ishvara Pranadana, the Good belief in a, yeah, the belief you. in a higher power. Because <laughs> if you think the world centers around you, that means you got no belief in anything else, right. especially something <clears throat> of a higher power. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to surrender to the universe's timing, which makes Every bit of your suffering, which you're going to do because you're human, mm-hmm. so much worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you think there's nothing else, wow. And we're not, in Ishvara Pranayana, we're not talking about a god. It can be an energy. It can mm-hmm. be a group of people. It can be your your yoga studio. Mm-hmm. It can be your knitting group. It can be. And it can be a god. And, it, and, and all of the above. Mm-hmm. But it's just, there's, just to understand and know that there's someone there that has your back. Mm-hmm. That you're not alone. Um, a couple of years ago, I just found out that my 43-year-old son is an atheist who was born and raised Catholic, and um, and I said to him, "Well, that first of all, that surprises me, but he's a big boy now. You know, he can do what he wants." But I said, "Well, what? Who do you believe in? What energy do you believe? Or what?" And then, unfortunately, the conversation got interrupted, and unfortunately, we never finished it. Yeah, but. The fact that I know that someone has my back makes me feel a lot better. I think a lot of the youth today, again, here I'm with the youth today, um, a lot of them have fallen away. But I think what has happened is that 
again, because, because we've become so separate, we don't come into uh, something faith-based, you know, the church. You know, when I was growing up, you know, we went to church every Sunday. Again, you knew the people. You know, um, I was, you know, privileged. I've gone to different religious, you know, churches. I've, you know, Catholic, Jewish, you know, Baptist, Methodist, the whole gate and caboodle. And it's that sense of community that I think a lot of us don't have anymore. We don't. That used to be a big deal. You know, that was like your Sunday destination. You get up, you go to church, you know, and then sometimes there was something afterward or you go with family. And again, people, a lot of people don't family. And if you're, you don't have that core, that something that you can kind of like direct to and, you know, again, God it, or not God, you know. I think you've both said it. it it's faith. Yeah, it's yes. faith. You know, it's, and it's faith and trust. Faith yeah. and trust. Yeah. And that requires humility, mm -hmm. which, you know, if we have the whole encyclopedia, the whole world in our pocket on our iPhones, right. well, I know everything. Right. What, what else need, do I need to trust yeah, in? I don't need to ask anybody anything. Right, and yeah. so I think that that's what we're missing out, that, yeah. um, that there is something beyond our humanity and our conditioned hearts and minds, that there's something more to this than what we've got going on yeah. here that really we can rely on and rest back into so that then our, our fears and that suffering can be alleviated at least a little bit. Yeah. Prior to getting into yoga and you know not understanding, not knowing what a mantra was, not ever hearing the word before, um, now I realize that I was repeating a mantra. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Oh, I said it wrong. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm -hmm. And I know that's a lot of people think that comes from um, Alcoholics Anonymous, but actually they borrowed it from I believe the gentleman's name was Reinhold Niebuhr. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a whole, it's, it's much, much longer than just that. Mm -hmm. But during some bad times in my life, I was latched, I, through a group, I found that mantra and I would repeat it again and again and again and again. So that was my mantra that was connecting me to Ishvara Prandiyahana prior to even knowing anything mm -hmm. about yoga. So the yamas and the niyamas that we've been talking about are in the second pada of the Yoga Sutras, yes. Yes. or listed with the eight limbs of yoga yes. in that second book of the Yoga Sutras. But buried in the first book of the Yoga Sutras, Pantanjali tells us, um, he calls out these, the, the four Brahma Viharas, the friendship, compassion, joy, and equanimity, which can also be thought of as ethics or mm -hmm. ethical mm -hmm. behaviors, you know, that we're infusing the mind with friendliness, compassion, cheerfulness uninvolved observation in relation to those living a happy, um, virtuous, non-virtuous life respectively. Mm -hmm. um, and that results in reclaiming the pristine state of mind. So early on when he's talking about meditation, mm -hmm. he really gives us kind of a hint of living in a yeah. ethical way mm -hmm. yeah. and mm -hmm. then gets really specific in the second book. So I mm -hmm. thought that was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. We're um, in class this week, I've been doing, um, it's a Buddhist meditation, it's called Tonglin. And I haven't done it in a long time. Mm -hmm. It's like it popped in my head the other day. But Tonglin means taking and giving. So what we do in this meditation, we take away the suffering of someone. Mm -hmm. But then we give them six gifts. And these six gifts are called six perfections. And they're uh, giving kindness, patience, joy, stillness, and wisdom. Can you say those again slower? Did I say real fast? <laughs> the six perfections are, see, I have it memorized. I know. After going yeah. You got um, it. Giving, kindness, patience, joy, stillness and wisdom. 
Mm -hmm. I love those. Mm -hmm. And when we give these six gifts to someone, the way karma works is we're in turn giving it back to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Any questions, Jan? No. <laughs> Guest as a guest well, next time. Cindy and I had a little bit of a discussion today about kids not, you know, and family and and children and, and raising children. Mm -hmm. We had that today. What yeah. was the discussion? Just we were just talking. Yeah. About yeah. I was talking about writing an article about mothers and daughters mm -hmm. and how she had said she had gone to the um, the vision store over here by Target. Yeah. Near mm -hmm. the Target. Yeah. And yeah. she the said, oh, I'm from Arizona, I came in to see my, I came in to stay with my daughter, and this woman was telling her that her mother also lives in Arizona and has been there for a very long time, but she's never been to see her mother. Hmm. And that made my mom so sad, and I thought, yeah, but it's just people don't, again, people don't family, and it doesn't have to be your biological family, because, you know, the three of us, we talk all the time, we are a logical family. We are the, yes, we are. We are a very, <laughs> you know, the three of us are just a logical family, you know, we are sisters, you know, from different parents, but, um, People don't family, and, and that's, you know, it, that hurts. You know, I mean, you have, I think you have like an ache, you know, and my mom was just, she was like teary, this poor woman. She's like, go visit your mother. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you she know? did, she, I, as I was leaving, she said, you know, I think I need to go to Arizona. Aww. And I thought, oh, that's so See? sweet. See, your little, your little interaction made a huge difference. You made a difference in the world. Yeah. You, you did. The things we do ripple out into yeah. the do. universe. Yeah, yeah right? we, we don't think we do, but we do. What's, I mean, practicing these yamas and yamas, and yamas it's, it's not just all about us. And no, no, no. When and we, it's not hard. It's not. And when our practice is grounded in the ethics, then we can begin to see how we're so easily interconnected. Mm -hmm. My mm -hmm. breath with your breath, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. me with the blades of grass, with what I eat, with everything around us. And mm -hmm. without the ethics in our practice, basically we're just taking a biohack for 60 yeah. minutes on our <laughs> mat. Oh, it feels good for 60 minutes sure. and then I'm leaving. Yeah. But when our practice is really grounded in that, mm -hmm. that's when we can really make a difference yeah. and yeah. yoga can really yeah. make a difference yeah. in our lives. Yes, taking it off the mat. It's, pr it's you know? a practice. Don't, you know, we, we don't well, roll we, it up when yeah, you roll up the mat. Exactly. We, you know, we cultivate. You know, we, we spend you know, 60 minutes a couple of times a week doing this in the physical practice and getting little tidbits from our teachers and they stick in there. And the next thing you know, you're paying a little bit more attention to, oh, well, maybe I won't flip that guy off on 994. Or maybe I will, you know, maybe I'll show up a little early for work and help this person out who needs you know a little help on this project they're working on you know it's just it's huge ripple huge ripple you know it could be something as simple as and I find myself doing this subconsciously and I'm, I'm which is I'm proud of myself that I do it I'll be going down the street and watching people walk or do this or do that and I'll say to my I'll say to them be careful mm -hmm. or don't do that or drink more water mm -hmm. or the guys at the bus stop across the street that wait in that oppressive heat I send them energy, I send them Reiki, and just something like that does make a difference. Thought, just to send some blessings to people, total strangers on the street. And I said interconnectedness earlier, but isn't that integration? Yeah. And isn't integration another word for samadhi, which is what we're also really mm -hmm. striving to attain? Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. It's that simple. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mindful Moments.